Thank God it's Free Range. You are listening to Free Range Radio Friday with your host, Michael Elves. Pour yourself a beverage and turn up the volume because here on 101.5 UMFM, the weekend starts now. So hard for losing battle. All this blood, sweat, and tears in these broken bones. Never fought so hard when I didn't have to. Through the flood and the war in this broken home. Living to forgive for I'll be giving up Is it better, is it better, is it better all Than being alone
101.5 UMFM, this is Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. I'm Michael Lawson, kicking things off for us tonight, Asanabi with his latest single, Alone. We played that a few weeks ago when it first dropped, but we're returning to it because I want to mention the fact that he is one of the co-hosts of A Day to Listen, a program tomorrow to mark the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Uh, it is brought to us by the Gordani and Chenny Wenjack Foundation, and it features William Prince from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., Shoshona Kish of Digging Roots from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. and then Asanabi from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. All regular programming here on UMFM will be preempted for the day. Uh, there are interviews. There is a lot of music from across Turtle Island, uh, including a little something from Chuck Copenace. We're going to play something from his new album, Oshki Manitou. It gets its release on October 1st at the Fort Gary as part of the Jazz Winnipeg Jazz at the Fort Gary Hotel series. Uh, really great record, and I encourage you to go check him out live. You can get tickets by following the link on UMFM's event calendar. Here is Oshki Manitou. Uh, coming up after Oshki Manitou, we've got Tired Cossack talking about his new record, which gets its release next week. Keep it locked here on Thank God It's Free Range. Thank you. 
All right. Well, uh, set to release the sophomore record, Tired Cossack. Uh, Stephen, I mean, can I call you Stephen? Yeah, please. Okay. Uh, Rather than like the nom de guerre, Tired Cossack. Uh, Set to release it on October 7th. And welcome to the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be on. My pleasure. Uh, So I do want to kind of talk about kind of the the genesis of this new record. I know, I guess. Um, First of all, like the title like that, is this like a responsive thing like because the title suggests like someone kind of pressuring you and you're like yeah 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 i know i guess is yeah um oh sorry yeah no go go ahead yeah um yeah the title i think i was really just sort of playing with with lyrics as i was working on demos and and this was actually a line from one of the tracks that that didn't end up making it onto the album but um there was just a line that was i know it's up to me i guess and I, I kind of chuckled when I listened back to it because it was just kind of something I was I was playing with on the spot and uh, the kind of certain uncertainty that it, it presented. And so when you especially kind of d- distill it down to just that phrase, I know, I guess, I think really encapsulates a lot of what maybe I I've, was feeling during the writing of that album, just in terms of, you know, just my own uh life what i was going through in terms of any sort of like uh mental health struggles um and just kind of feeling an uncertainty in 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 what's to come and being certain that that uncertainty is there so it's it's less a responsiveness to someone else than to to like your own internal dialogue then yeah i would very much say so uh and like you said from from a song that you didn't end up including on the Mm -hmm. record but just something about that line spoke to you as being like this is kind of what i'm feeling about kind of like the whole project yeah and i think even just uh to to completely simplify it i just thought that yeah the the more i I thought about that phrase the more i liked it and um yeah i just decided there that it was you know had the ring to it that i wanted and and decided to run with it so you mentioned, you know, mental health uh, is kind of at the root of this record. Is this like a COVID record? Like, was it written during like a dark period of like, you know, lockdown or was it something, you know, separate from that or, you know, just that was one part of things that you were going through? I mean, it, it certainly could have been in terms of, you know, uh, I feel like a lot of people share the experience of, you know, having things within themselves deteriorate during that time. But the writing of the album took place after the the sort of most major of the lockdowns occurred. Um, and I think it was just kind of, you know, working on things and trying to figure out how, you know, to, to, to get very personal, just kind of how to maybe make things better or, kind of find a way to say things that you have a hard time articulating just with with language whether you're talking to you know family friends or 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 a professional and uh i think making this album was real really an outlet for that and i think like it's obviously more present in some songs than others but uh yeah it was it was an outlet of things that you know unfortunately when you're sick you're sick and and things can be great around you but uh that that feeling will still come right now was was this like a purposeful outlet like did you find like were you talking to a professional they're like hey can you write this out because you're someone who writes or Um, were you just gravitating to writing because you're someone who writes 
I think the latter. I think it, it's it was more just kind of okay. Well, I'm I'm gonna just sit down with the guitar, plug it in to my pedal board, plug that into my computer, and just like start playing. And uh, I, you know, I record all the demos on my own, which is like a great freedom, and it's also you know nice to only be wasting your own time when it takes you three hours to record the most simple of, of guitar riffs. But uh, yeah, I think it just kind of, that's what drove me to kind of just put my focus so completely on something um, that, you know, is creative, is, is taking things outside of yourself and, and putting it out there. And so it's just something that I was able to just sit down and spend hours and hours and hours at. And so then kind of building from there was the sort of next natural step, I guess. So are you writing from a riff? Like, do you write a guitar part first and then kind of put lyrics it, to it? Or is it kind of happening at the same time? What's the... Yeah, I would say it, it all kind of happens at once and it, it all really happens in a chaotic way. I could show you the voice memos on my phone that I have hundreds of, of whether it's kind of sitting down, put turning it on and recording like a 30 second riff that I just was messing around and liked, or whether it's, you know, driving and all of a sudden humming <laughs> sometimes an indecipherable memory, uh, melody when I go back to check it. Um, it, it comes from really anywhere. And again, I think doing that sort of uh, solo recording really frees you up to kind of start anywhere, really. Like you, sometimes it'll be a, a drum beat that I have in my head that I can, you know, make a quick and dirty MIDI out of just for the demo or other times it is like, you know, something a lot more complete that that just kind of forms in your mind before you sit down. So if you can start anywhere, how do you know where you're ending up or how you finished? <laughs> I guess in no sentence you don't um i think that so many of these songs i have not a fully formed idea when i sit down to work on them uh and if i do sometimes it even so happens that the outcome ends up being something completely different because as i i really dive into it and as i get to know the song more as i'm making it i realize that what i thought it was was incorrect about it or just doesn't fit anymore it doesn't feel right anymore so i kind of just let the process happen um and then i'm really grateful that i have such a great group of people to collaborate with not just with the live band um but with uh donovan ostapovich as well who uh who helped produce the last album and is co-producing this one with me um to kind of sometimes make sense of of some of these uh some of these songs um that might not be completely finished so where are things at when you bring them to donovan then like how how formed are songs or or unformed are they um for the most part they're completely done um and then uh we'll kind of work on finding a mix that works right but there'll be other points where there will be a little gap somewhere or there'll be maybe a, a a baseline at a certain point missing where I'll kind of just say like, do you, do you have any ideas for this? And then we can kind of go back and forth on that. And then is it, do you, are you working with like the band to kind of flesh out the song after that point or, or are you and Donovan sort of sussing that out together and then kind of handing it to the band? Yeah, it's, it's mostly uh, Donovan and I um, 
kind of completing the tracks but in terms of I, I find that you know they they inevitably will become something else when you perform them live so I've never been strict um, when it comes to you know making the live set sound you know bar for bar like like the version on the album I think in that's you know common with a lot of artists I, like a recent example I would think of would maybe be Alex G where I was lucky enough to see him live and uh, there were a lot of songs where it was different but it wasn't worse it wasn't like a cheaper version it was just you know making it work with the the instruments and the amount of people that you have with you on stage I think also you look at a band like Joy Division their their recorded music versus their live set their their live set just carried so much more energy to the point where it was really almost bordering on punk sometimes um and so i think in terms of the the live band side of things it's it's more there where i really just get them involved and in, in kind of i guess interpreting the song now you mentioned alex g you mentioned joy division there i was curious about kind of were there any albums you were listening to or artists you were listening to that like found their way into the sound of this record? Did you find that like consciously or unconsciously you were absorbing some stuff and putting it into this? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I mean, you're always influenced by, by the bands that, that you are listening to all the time. But on this one, it was the first time where I've had, you know, bands that I, I didn't really grow up listening to or I don't really listen to right now, but there were certain things when I did hear it where I'm like, I actually really like how they get this sound on their guitars. And a good example of that, like Deftones, um, you know, I, I, I listen to them from time to time, but I, I would never have said that I was a fan in terms of listening to them regularly or anything like that. But on some tracks, there is that kind of really sludgy guitar sound that, I just love and it made me feel a certain way when I heard it and it was something that like I want to you know take what gives me that feeling from this music and then kind of make it my own and then obviously there there are other uh, musicians that I, I really you know am a fan of that I think those sensibilities inevitably will find your way into the music Nirvana um, dry cleaning is a, is a post-punk band that I've really really enjoyed and then um you know i've already mentioned alex g but i think that's kind of a cop out because what you know <laughs> indie artist today isn't kind of being influenced by it by him right now right yeah no i get it the dry cleaning one is an interesting one because i like this is, seems like a pretty lean record and i think like dry cleaning records are pretty lean yeah um is that, like I, an intentional thing like that like th this record kind of gets in and out fairly quickly yeah, I, I think so. I think um, whether conscious or not, I think maybe that is what draws me to dry cleaning. It is just kind of very direct. Um, and I think that's the way I've always made my music. I think maybe even you could call it a certain impatience um, that I have in my music where I'm not really going to dwell on, you know, a certain part of the song for too long, I would hope at least. Um uh, so I, I would say in terms of just off the top of my head, trying to find a connection in terms of how that influence is manifested in this album, I would say that that's actually a really good, uh, good call. Was, was that like, did you find that was intentional? Like, were you thinking like these songs need to be pretty direct or did the songs just kind of, they were direct. So that's, that's how the album ended up. Being. Yeah. 
I think the latter again, and, and I think that's just kind of a, a product of, of who I am and, and how I go into that process. I, uh, you know, despite the fact that it is meandering and that, you know, I can spend a lot of time thinking about it when, when I find the sound or, or the rhythm that finally clicks where I'm, I'm thinking that's what I want. It is something that is often often very direct, and I've I've known that about my taste in music as well. I mean, growing up with with an older brother, we had similar but very different tastes in music. Where, you know, I, I would really like the sort of more punk leaning things, where he was maybe more cerebral in terms of you know the music he was listening to. Like in high school, he was a huge Radiohead fan. Where I I just I just didn't have the I don't know what to call it attention span or capacity mentally to to listen to it at that point i've i've since learned to love it but i think there's always been an element i guess of that kind of um fidgety impatience if you want to call it that in in terms of how i interact with music so you mentioned you know that the the title itself came from a song that didn't make the record were there other songs that didn't make the record like as a result of kind of like decisions around like they they weren't fitting with that kind of directness yeah, uh, I think so. Um, I think that now that, you know, you've kind of given it a name, that it does make sense that, you know, there are certain songs that I look at that, well, example, one of them's like seven minutes long. And I mean, it's just never a, never a good idea, I think, in this day and age, unless it's, you know, a real masterpiece to, to have something like that. And I, it was also something that, you know, there were still things I was on the fence about. Um, and it just got to a certain point where, where I needed to cut it. And then I think, yeah, there were other ones that maybe either were just sort of too lo-fi and experimental that, you know, to put on an LP maybe wasn't the play or for one reason or another, it was just kind of, you, you weren't able to track the drums correctly. Um, that you decided to leave it out and you know i can't again i came into this kind of process once i i linked up with donovan to start working on the album again i had about 20 demos and in my mind i was like yeah i'm just gonna put all of these on the album because i like them and as you work through it you kind of realize what what you want and what you may not want as much it's kind of like the the block of clay and you have to kind of like pare down to find the the statue within it kind of thing truly truly except the problem is is that every single speck of that clay has such a personal connection to you because you're like oh this, these are my babies that i'm shaving off onto the floor and getting rid of so it becomes a little i don't know less less rational i guess in my mind mm. um the album release show like are you just doing the album front to back or what's your plans for the show um I'm not doing the whole album front to back. I think, uh, you know, the what we're working on right now is the, is the ones that, uh, again, like everyone's kind of involved on it in terms of instruments, in terms of singing. Um, you know, there are some songs that only really have two guitars and maybe some bass that comes in and out, or it's just kind of a, a key line with some you know when recording it was running like a, a small casio tone bank through through my pedal board or something like that where those i just think you know and the fact that you know we're we're, we're practicing when we can we probably only have four or five practices because we all do work and have responsibilities outside of of this show that it's just you know the stuff that 
we can kind of I can make stems. I can give everyone their stems. We can learn their parts. We can practice it. Um, that that's kind of the direction that we're going. But I would say that we're playing ten of the twelve songs. So uh, front to back, no. And plus, there are other songs that I think are you know you think about what are the old standbys in terms of live show that people like that people like to dance to, and, and we'll throw some of those in too. And maybe if the crowd's really feeling it, you can play that seven minutes song. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not at that level of self-congratulatory yet, I think. Oh, well. Uh, before I let you go, Stephen, I want to get you to pick a track off, I know, I guess, that I can play for listeners. If you have a reason why you're picking that song in particular or an anecdote, I'd love to hear that. Okay, yeah. Um, shoot. Let me think about that for just a, just a moment. I, I think that, you know, I would honestly just play Sardines. It's the, it's the first song on the track. I think it, it sets the tone um in just you know it's it's a kind of meandering song where the same part except for you know the very beginning and end don't really repeat too much um it has a, a pretty steady beat and it's just fun so i, I would say that one and kind of you know give give people a little introduction into the album hopefully they like it and would like to see what comes next well to see what comes next come to the goodwill social club on saturday october 7th for the no i guess album release show steven thanks very much for taking some time and congrats on the release of the record yeah no thank you very much uh for having me on it's it's been a real pleasure and a real privilege and here we go alexei go one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven
Back here on Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. You just heard Sardines, the lead-off track to I Know, I Guess from Tired Cossack. Again, their album release is next Saturday, October 7th at the Goodwill Social Club. And I uh, encourage you to get tickets in advance. If you go online, you can check them out on UMFM's event calendar. Uh, coming up in just a few minutes, my conversation with Gabrielle Schonk, who is coming next Thursday to open for Dan Mangan at the Burton Cumming Theatre. A uh, big fan of hers, dating back to her debut record and uh, when she played Winnipeg Folk Festival that summer. Uh, grateful to have her join us back on the program. Before that, though, Abigail LaPelle, Coming to town October 10th with Great Lakes Swimmers, and uh, she has a new record coming out shortly. We're going to hear a French lullaby called Isabeau, and uh, fingers crossed we get Abigail on the program in the coming weeks before she comes to town. This is Thank God It's Free Range on 101.5 UMFM. Sans que tu chantes 
All right, well, coming to town October 5th to open for Dan Mangan, Gabrielle Schonk returning with her new album, Across the Room. She joins us on the show. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Now, the last time we talked to you, uh, you had released your your first record and you were playing Winnipeg Folk Fest. Uh, A lot has happened, a lot of time in the intervening years. Um, And as I understand it, the the, like sophomore record was was a bit of a, a hurdle for you. Yeah, I guess I I hit a bit of I don't know if it's writer's block or yeah, I guess it t- just took me a minute to figure out what I wanted to sound like on this album, like what I was sounding like as a person and as an artist sort of and what I had to say as well. So, yeah, it took me it took me a bit to figure that out and kind of like land on where I wanted to go with the album number 2. So was it i mean there's always like the truism like you have your whole life to kind of write your first record so you had like songs yeah for for, from a large period of time and and kind of figuring out what was going to be on that first record were you faced with kind of like i don't have any more songs yet or did you have other songs like did you have some songs you didn't include on that debut record that you were able to kind of reconsider and incorporate on this record or or were you kind of faced with that like terrifying notion of like a, a blank page I mean, I guess it was a bit of both. I had a few songs that uh, didn't make it onto the first album. Um, so I guess it wasn't that I didn't, I was just, I, I, I guess I just wanted to write some new stuff. Um, some of those songs I I revisited and they didn't end up um, on the second album. So I guess, yeah, it's a bit of both where it's like the first album is your life's work and then yeah, when the second album comes, it's it's writing in a more crunched period of time, I guess, which was which was different and also really fun. Like I enjoyed it. I, I feel like once I got into the groove of things, it went pretty, pretty quickly when that happened. So so even though it took me a minute to figure it out, I don't think I would change um, the, the the order of things. So there was a period in which you kind of weren't writing then and, and then it like the floodgates opened then? Yeah. Well, what happened is I guess I toured the first album for like two years. So that was like 2017 till 2019. And so when shows stopped, I came and sat down and I was like kind of facing this, I don't know, like this, this emptiness or like, um, yeah. So, so that was kind of, I guess a bit scary. It was like, as if I was like standing at the edge of a cliff sort of, Mm. but, um, once I got into the groove of things, um, I started like I found the pr- the person I wanted to produce my album and things started like getting coming together slowly but then obviously covid hit and so everything went kind of silent so it just gave me I just took that time I guess the 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 covid period to just go back home sit with uh, myself and those songs and just yeah finish writing the album and then go and demo it and then get into the studio and make it so that's kind of how it happened you mentioned having that time to sit with yourself as i understand it like there's you went through some like emotional 
issues in terms of a, a breakup or a relationship ending and, and yeah. th- that some of the songs came came out of that period. Like, do you think having yeah. that time helped hone those songs in particular? Like you weren't like so fresh or like immediate? Oh, yeah, for sure. I always said that I kind of let things sit before I like write about them completely. Like I'll go, I guess I'll write some ideas down and then get back to them when things are processed a bit more. Um, I don't I, I don't know if it's always going to be like that. But uh, for this album, it definitely was where it was like I let things sit for a bit and then went back to them when things were kind of processed, I guess. So, yeah, I was kind of writing about the situation but with a certain like yeah like just having a step back i guess mm-hmm. you mentioned finding and a whole point oh, of view oh so so yeah, kind of sorry. like <laughs> yeah no no problem uh when you said a whole point of view like kind of having the distance to kind of see things more clearly yeah exactly yeah you'd mentioned locking in your producer kind of before beforehand you worked with two Jessies on this record, Jesse Caron and Jesse McCormick. What led you yes. to, to the two of them? One as producer, one as co-writer. Like, how did you come come um, to work with the well, two? Well, Je- Jesse Caron and I have been working together since 2008. So, like, we met back in the university. We studied jazz together. So we've been, like, music partners and, like, work partners and writing partners since 2008. So that's kind of, like, a natural fit. We have this thing where we just... Yeah, it just flows naturally us working together. So that's like that was kind of a no brainer for me, like to continue writing songs with Jesse and keeping that that natural workflow going with him. Um, and then I guess for producing, um, I I known Jesse McCormack for a while and we had been wanting to work together since I guess 2013 or something. And it just had never panned out. And so when I was thinking about who could maybe produce the next album. My, yeah, my thoughts landed on Jesse Mack. And then I was like, oh, let's go try and do some songs in the studio. So we did like three three songs back in the fall of 2019, uh, which uh, uh, three of them, all three of them ended up being on the album. Um, obviously different, like we reworked the production and stuff, but that's kind of how things uh, set into place for that. Was there something about Jesse Mack's music or the stuff like that suggested he'd be the one you wanted to like was there a specific song or like a sound that you were looking to achieve that he had already done or demonstrated he could do um i think like i liked a lot of the albums he's produced um he was also very he's also very like versatile i guess um but he has a distinct sound when he produces things so I felt like that could be a good mix with my musical universe. Like, I feel like even though our, our universes are different, they blend well together somehow. Um, and so, and he's also a really good friend and we get along. So I figured the whole process, like musically made sense. And also like on a personal personal level of like connecting to the music and just having fun making the record together. Well, speaking of on a personal level, the the opener or rather the, the lead off single was People Pleaser. And I'm curious about kind of, is that something that you've wrestled with, like trying to measure up to other people's expectations or maybe subsuming yourself for for the sake of kind of getting along? Yeah, for sure. I think I think um, I feel like, yeah, people pleaser is totally auto like an autobiography or whatever, or like an autobiography of myself. But um, yeah, and it's me like it's coming from a very, yeah, very personal place, I guess, like. 
yeah, making the album was a process, but I feel like people pleasing was probably in me since the day I was born, sort of. And uh, I guess when I wrote the song, it was kind of coming to terms with the fact that, yeah, I have some people pleasing qualities and that's also like has its disadvantages. And so I was kind of, yeah, in that whole like self-reflecting period, I wanted to, yeah, just take time and work on myself and move past those things that were kind of the part of people pleasing that was negatively impacting my life, I guess. Did you find that it was impacting your music making? Like, had you, you know, maybe bowed to other people's wishes or, or gone along to get along in the making of your own music up to that point? Yeah, for sure. I think it wasn't necessarily other people's expectations more than like my own, I guess, um, or like my own self-judgment on what I was writing. So, yeah, that made it hard to write in the beginning because it was like I'd sit down and try writing and but I judge everything I do as it would go. So that's like completely blocks the creative flow. Cause it's like, you don't even give yourself like the the length to like get somewhere, I guess. So um, I guess in that sense, it did, it did affect the music for sure. Right. The, the creative process, I guess. Now you'd mentioned you'd written three songs in 2019 and then those ended up on the record. Can you like, do you see like a progression or a change in terms of the songs from that period to like the more recent songs on the record or do you feel they all kind of fit together and, and you can't um, I notice guess they, yeah I guess they all kind of fit together because a lot of these songs like I have ideas and then they'll just sit on my like on like my phone for a while and I'll go back to them uh, I guess people pleaser was in the later stages of the writing of the album um yeah, so I guess like the earlier songs probably have more of like the the breakup theme associated to them, and then the more I I went forward, it was like songs like "Let's Shine Into the Night," where it's like finding yourself, reconnecting with true love, like like your own like self love. I mean, so um, and then like people pleaser, where it's like yeah, just self reflecting and self empowerment i guess after yeah just processing all those kinds of emotions so i guess the earlier stage songs are probably the ones that are more breakup or like heartache related right so naming the album across the room was there were a particular reason like was this always going to be the title of the record or you know did you ever consider like one of the the songs being like a title track or what was the yeah, I was uh, scrambling for titles and um, I guess Across the Room is like, it's kind of a coincidence, but it's a, it's like a lyric in the first song of the album, how it used to be, like it opens up the record. And um, I was actually looking at titles with my manager, Bled, and um, I had gotten all like a bunch of titles, a different, like I picked out lyrics of the album and was yeah, just kind of looking for the right fit for a name. And Bud was like, oh, I kind of like Across the Room. And I was like, yeah, that makes total sense because, like, the whole making of the album was kind of me sitting in my, like, home, small office, like, practice space during during the pandemic, basically being kind of isolated with myself and the songs and all the, like, people I, were, I was, like, writing about or the people I was writing to, like, not in a physical way, but in, in like, that... Um, I guess the energy sense of like me. So it was like kind of, I, I felt like it had that proximity of like being in a room with something or someone, but also like 
kind of looking at things like across the room where it's like I could be there's a certain distance as well so I felt like that made total sense with the record and the making of it and how yeah just the relation I had with the songs and making them basically you're in the room but you're not quite like proximate to everyone else yeah exactly yeah uh so as I mentioned you're coming to town with Dan Mangan uh playing an opening set like how accustomed are you to you know having to kind of play for people who aren't necessarily there to see you or, you know, have a, a shortened set and, and kind of win people over in that period of time? Yeah, honestly, up until now, like we're playing our sixth show of, out of 12 tonight and um, where I'm finishing off the run in Winnipeg. So that'll be fun. Um, so I guess I'll be pretty warmed up once I get to Winnipeg. And uh, honestly, up until now, it's been amazing. Uh, Dan is amazing. His fan base is amazing. So everyone's been so just curious and welcoming and like very attentive to like the new, like me being a new artist. They don't know. And like these new songs they've never, they've never heard of. Um, so honestly, up until now, it's been, yeah, it's been a blast. And I honestly love doing opening sets. It's, it's really yeah, it's just really fun and it's fulfilling to just meet a new crowd that's not necessarily your crowd and yeah, just kind of be able to also just join into an artist that I love, like join into his world. Like I'm basically touring with them on the bus and like I got to meet his whole band and everyone's just so amazing. So that's been a very, yeah, just an amazing and special and fulfilling experience. And then once you finish up with Dan on the 5th, you go out and support Men I Trust. So back with Jesse. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to support them for the first time, actually. Um, they're good friends of mine. We we kind of all started together uh, back in Quebec City. And so it's very exciting to be able to go to Toronto and open for them. Awesome. Before I let you go, Gabrielle, I want to get you to pick a track off of Across the Room we can play for listeners. And if you have a reason why you're picking it or an anecdote about it, I'd love to hear that. Oh, amazing. Uh, I think I'd pick 5 a.m. right now because um, we just released a music video for it, which I really love. And uh, yeah, it's it's one of my favorites off of the album since I guess day one. It's one of the first songs we produced off the album as well. And um, yeah, I guess it, it'll give people a sense of kind of what the album sounds like. I guess every song's a bit different. It's like kind of eclectic with a lot of different influences, but yeah, I guess 5 a.m. because it's like the new focus track with the new music video, and I, I love it so much. When you write songs, do you picture a video for them? Not necessarily. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. And, like, sometimes you picture something and it ends out and ends up being, like, turns out being something completely different. So, so I guess, yeah, but sometimes, it, it, like, images do come, for sure. Sure enough. Well, looking forward to seeing you next Thursday at the Burton's Coming Theater opening for Dan Mangan. Gabrielle Schonk, thanks very much for taking some time to talk to us on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is a pleasure.
Back here on Thank God It's Free Range, just heard from Canadian R&B artist Max with Falling in Love off of his new record, Cardinal Moon. Gabriel Schonk before that, playing October 5th, opening for Dan Mangan at the Burton's Coming Theatre. My thanks to Gabrielle and to Stephen from Tired Cossack, who plays on the 7th at the Goodwill Social Club. And uh, we're going to leave you with some songs as we ramp things up towards After 8 Radio. Kiefer, great producer out of L.A. on Stone's Throw with a new record called It's Okay. Be you. Uh, we're going to hear Head Trip featuring Luke Titus. We got some more beats and uh, some more BPMs for you as we head towards After 8 Radio. Keep it locked here on 101.5 UMFM.
to feel right. Matching sleeping, watching my be where we going. Driving through the traffic jam. Pizza, lobby, and coffee, where we going next? We got a new life. I have a great guys who made the new things. I'm in Shinshu Jelly, Starbucks, Top Line, and High Five. I'm a new
company go Keep your drama way out the dough Can't nobody mess with my flow Steady finessing, curve like a crescent All lucky sevens, check my ascendant I'm dripping in luxury And my entourage all VIP One, two, buckle my shoe Three, four, step out the dough Put my shades on, strike a pose Flex like my jimbo Stack checks like my jimbo Flex like my jimbo Stack checks like my jimbo All over my plate, make him wait. But I'm always right on time with the beat go. Baseline like a hella fine pino. Timeless like Ella and Kijo. Roll out the red carpet, we go. One, two, buckle my shoe. Three, four, step out the door. Put my shades on, strike a pose. Oh, flex like my jimbo. Stack checks like my jimbo. Flex like my jimbo. Stack checks like my jimbo. Encore plus lentement 